numerous conversations I've had with numerous people. Oh, I wish I could travel. Oh, I wish I was going there. Oh, I wish I could live like that one person who travels so much. How does he do it? How does he manage? How does he manage his job and how does he manage his budget? So today we have that one person with us. Please welcome Kush Oza. Hello everyone, this is Kushoza. I am a senior cloud engineer at a company in Chicago. I would say I'm a professional travel addict and that all started in college. I had two weeks before starting my full-time job and everybody's like, Kush, you should travel. You know, you're not going to get this time back. And the one thing I started doing is looking at places that I could go around um, the United States. The next thing you know, it was found a, uh, an itinerary online. So I picked up my car and went to Yellowstone. And on the journey, I just packed some food and stayed in like multiple states on the way. I did not have anything planned. Went for like seven days and had the time of my life. And that started the whole travel addiction. Welcome to the Thought Bistro podcast with Akhil and Vishra as we deep dive into a variety of interesting and thought-provoking topics. Join us as we explore the world of ideas and broaden our collective horizon. So, welcome Kush. Thank you for telling us a bit about your travel addiction as you call it. I think a lot of people I know and I include myself in this, we would love to be able to, what do I say, feed this travel addiction because travel is just one of the best things about life and I think I enjoy it as much as the next person. But finding the time, finding the budgets, finding the destinations, I guess, is always a little bit of an issue. Why don't you tell us a bit more about these different journeys that you have taken and where all have you gone unplanned, just on a whim? If I say one of the biggest achievements or one of the things that I'm proud of that I did in 2022 is going to 20 different places. And if I sort of just wrap through it, I started from London, went to Venice, Hawaii, Florida, India, Dubai, Iceland, Seattle, Alaska, Canada, Texas, Germany, Czech Republic, Amsterdam, Belgium, New York, Jamaica, Aruba, Dominican Republic, Thailand. And that's about it. That is a lifetime itinerary for most people, if that ever. Some people don't even get out of their state, out of their city. You are going all, all over the place. That's a lifetime itinerary for you, Akhil, because the amount you love traveling, you're never getting <laughs> to these places even in a lifetime. I hope it is never the lifetime itinerary for me. My God, do I hate traveling. <laughs> oh, I am so well aware of this. Every time to meet Akhil is such a pain because he's just like, whenever he's in India, whenever he was in the US as well, Akhil, where do you want to meet? Bro, just come to me. Come here. He is just the worst traveler possible. It is so annoying to have him as a friend because get, getting to a new place, he came to India in December and we were like, okay, fine, we're going to go to this safari, which was like a five-hour drive from where he was and we were all schlepping over to the city that Akhil was in. And lo and behold, we turn up and the entire plan to go to this 
safari just gets cancelled because why akhil doesn't want to move he's like why are we going anywhere we will chill here while every everything about the blame is coming towards me let's talk to the best traveler ever because we finally have him on our show after a long discussion over it we're going from the worst traveler to the best traveler so kush what is your process how do you begin like where do you begin in your headspace the whole process starts with what amount of time do i have and honestly it all starts with google search you open up google flights you go and put in for me it's chicago as a source destination and leave the you know the next des- uh, the target destination blank and you just hit search most of the time you are able to see the whole world and see what places are cheaper for you for example last year one of the places that i really wanted to go was germany why because i'm an engineer and why germany because their engineering is fabulous so i ended up finding one day the cheapest tickets to germany and i booked one way i was like i'm sure i don't want to live in germany or travel germany for straight two weeks so i just bought one way ticket and ended up doing the trip and came back from amsterdam netherlands so that's how some of those trips start just going on a google search finding places that i want to go or what are some of the cheaper places that i could visit that's actually a very interesting thing kush i did not know that you could just go and enter open ended flight searches on google i always thought you needed a you know start and a destination because never really thought of going oh yeah let's go calcutta anywhere or delhi anywhere let's go where the life takes you and the life will take me wherever it will be budgeted by me so what do you do next after your flights let we got the flights now what's next once you have the flight you want to start with what sort of things you want to do for me in germany the major thing was learning about how do they do things there why is their engineering famous why is their history also so famous so i tend to go on things to do and usually if you scroll down or up on google there's ratings right like 53000 43000 or sometimes people have already made two or three day itineraries if i'm going for let's just say two days in germany munich i search for four days of itineraries because i just know as a solo traveler i'm able to pack a lot of things in uh my day versus how much people pack it so i guess what you're saying is know yourself because a lot of people would not want to pack so much in so maybe just understand what you want out of it as well because i know a lot of people who if they're going for a two or three day trip would look at a one day itinerary because they're like we don't want to do so much at the same time so we will only look go and do the things that someone on a regular basis would do in one day so they want to chill they want to have their own time so i guess one of the biggest things is to know yourself right i think another major question would be that you know people are obsessed with their stuff i want this face wash i want this lotion i want this cream this powder this underwear this shirt t-shirt i want all of these available options with me at all times and just packing up this stuff is such a chore every time and you know taking it there handling it there taking it around with you especially in you know kind of living conditions you will be there you don't even know because you don't know where you're going to be at so 
how does that work how do you travel light do you travel heavy do you take everything with you it depends on the place that i'm going but at the end of the day i think traveling all these places i do have a basic template of things that i take with me and it all comes down to the priorities a i have glasses so i take an extra pair of glasses cuz i don't want to be blind in a different country so take backups of the important things along with you you know glasses is a very interesting one i learned it the hard way we went to six flags and in six flags i just had one of my glasses on sat on the first roller coaster you know without the thought of i have my glasses on the roller coaster goes inverted and my glasses just fly away and you know i never see them again i really miss them and the rest of the time i was just blind for the next 4 hours have never traveled without a spare glasses in my backpack yeah man i think you're preaching to the choir um, i have also worn glasses since i was like what 6 7 years old so carrying glasses or now well contacts is just one of the first things that goes into the bag is an extra 5 7 8 pairs of contacts and on top of that i'm sure you're going to another country so you want to have as much memories as possible so the one thing to do is make sure your multimedia setup is done well meaning maybe have a cable bag in that cable bag you can have an international converter maybe an extra cable for your phone maybe a power bank maybe an extra set of um, headphones for airplane and all the things that you think you will need on the way just in that entertainment system because it's kind of expensive to buy them in that other country and you just want to have an easy process throughout the travel and not worry about that look up the sockets in the country you're going to that is a very 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 important thing how i wish they were all standardized but well so far they have not been standardized i have a story related to every single item that was mentioned in the previous list by kush but if i keep going on about stories about every single thing this will just become a, an episode of errors by akhil on his travels to different parts of the world changing topic let's get to the absolute juicy question of the day how do you budget everything are you that loaded are you like an ambani or an adani hidden disguise or you know are you a bezos hidden disguise how does that work not at all i think none of my trips have went over uh, 1500 to 2000 dollars if it's two week long my daily stay in any of the hotels or hostels internationally or domestically is $50 uh nothing more it it just averages out to that my food cost for a day is $20 i would not go over that or it's on average so i'll treat myself to a really nice restaurant there i go wherever i go and rest of the time i would either eat you know some of the food that i've taken from home for example frozen lentils that you get from costco here are really good and just budget it out save uh money for the other things and a lot of budget just goes as you start planning out but the priority is a flights b transportation and where you're going to travel rental cars and what not c it's food then there's unexpected costs so it sort of just works out but i do end up finding deals on multiple websites 
for example, the things that I do is see if I can find a layover. There's um, a really good website called called Skip Legged. You'll find the link in the description of this podcast. What it does is, let's just say you put Chicago as a dest- uh, as your source where you're flying from, and your destination is, let's just say, India. You're like, you know, I'm gonna going for a 24-hour journey, but I don't have to be in India by a certain time. Why not explore a place for a week? That's exactly what I did uh, on my way back, actually. my I had a wedding to attend in India, and on my way back, I was like, you know, I don't have to be in Chicago by this time. Why not explore a country? So I had a layover in Dubai, and I was like, you know, I don't want to pay so much for this flight. How about I find a long layover? So I went on Skip Legget, and I found a layover for two days. Well, that works. I can, you know, check out Dubai in two days. You don't have to do that too. You can also do multi-day, multi-city flight search where you just buy a ticket to India to Dubai and from Dubai to Chicago. So try and see if you can squeeze in countries when you're traveling. Kush, if you have, you know, an, a rough estimate, what would you say would be the percentages that you allocate for separate things like would it be 30% flights, 10% hotels, 15% food, something like that? Or you just go with the flow and look at whole amounts? I would say the biggest chunk of the money that gets swept off your budget is through flights because it's expensive, right? And anywhere, anywhere you go, like for example, you go to Germany from um, Chicago to Germany and round trip, it's going to cost on average $1,000 or 1200 depending on uh, when you book it. But that's sort of the average. You can get it for cheaper, um, not saying that. I think 35 to 40-ish percentage of my trips are flights. Then 15 to 20% would be the transportation. Another 15% would be food. So what is the total? 40 travel, 15, 55 that's about 70%. 70%, right? Then activities is one of the biggest things that you need to budget for. Because you're not just going to go there and, you know, stay outside and look at the building and come back. I'm, I'm sure you want to go on top of that tower. I'm sure you want to go on that tour, on that guided tour. So, like, another 15%, I would say, for that. And leave a little bit of budget for unexpected things. Such as? Such as, I'm, I'm a really good driver, but sometimes gravity affects me when I'm going down the hill. And if you're in another country, you don't know where the speeding cameras are. And I've gotten some speeding tickets in international countries. So those kind of things do hurt, but you kind of want to just have that budget for a lost power bank. I didn't find find out until I was boarding a plane that checked baggage was not allowed or a carry-on was not allowed. That's an expected cost. There's always a little bit of unexpected cost here and there. And you just cannot, you just cannot um, avoid it. This friend of mine was traveling in Mexico and they got pretty drunk, right? And at 2 a.m., they were peeing on a wall. Unfortunately, the wall was that of a church and this police inspector, he just, you know, he's standing behind them while they're being, they can't even lie their way out of it. 
they turn around and they're just staring at him. And that's the first thought they must have had there in their mind. What kind of budget do we have for this police officer? And then they start negotiating. And fortunately enough, like Mexico is a cheap place to drive yourself out of. I'm not going to name him because suddenly a lot of liability falls on his head. But yeah, so these things can happen and they make for some incredible experiences. I was actually watching this video on a YouTube channel called Big Think. And on that video, it says, buy experiences because experiences make you happier instead of buying stuff that you will own and you will not enjoy it like seconds after you buy it. So then this fits in that narrative very well. Even your speeding tickets are... You know, there is a story for this podcast now. Yeah, I think these kind of experiences only lead to a more fun and fruitful trip and a lot more stories to tell at the end of the day. However unpleasant they may be at the time, they're definitely something you look back on and laugh at in the future. So talking about random experiences, uh, what kind of food do you prefer overseas? You know, let's take a lighter topic. What kind of food do you like? Do you drink? Do you not drink? What What's the scene? So one of the things that I do when I travel internationally is check out at least one Indian restaurants in that country. And I've had Indian food in Venice, Germany, Iceland, and you name it. I've had Indian food there. Why do I go to Indian restaurants? Because... I'm Indian and I would like to learn how my um, culture is doing there. I get to talk to the waiter. They normally talk Hindi or Gujarati sometimes. And I have a conversation on how many how many people are there, how well you're doing there. Is there another good Indian spots to check out? And overall, it just makes me happy that, you know, my people are doing well in that country. So if you are, let's just say, Italian, right? And if you go to some other country, for example, Iceland, try out Italian food. Talk to that Italian waiter. See how, you know, your culture is doing. It just makes you proud. It just makes you feel proud. Does that also help you getting some local knowledge? Because these people have probably been around that particular country, city, area for a long time. So... You know, maybe that cultural bond that you all share gives you some of the local insights and things to do. Like, for example, we went to this Italian restaurant in London. And this guy there, our waiter there, we we were talking to him and we were like, what do you think is the best, you know, pizza in London? And he gave us two names. And my God, those two places had probably the best pizza I have had, period. I mean, even in comparison with some of the restaurants that I've gone to in Italy. So I think going to places, speaking to the waiters, understanding, you know, the the local knowledge is something that is just unparalleled. 100%. Every time that you talk to the local, they live there. They have been in that country for 10 years or 5 years. They've migrated there from their own country to, you know, spread or just earn a living. But overall, it's so nice to talk to them. Uh, first of all, in your own language, they, they get really happy when you when they meet someone of their own and they get to talk to you. They treat you really nice. And at the end of the day, you learn so much about the place, surroundings. You also find, like, you know, where to find the best deals 
to buy certain souvenirs. For example, every place I go, I have this one friend, he loves dark chocolates. And all these places that I've been to, I've gotten him dark chocolates from all these countries and he loves it. So I like to buy souvenirs. Also, one other thing is fridge magnets. I'm a big fridge magnet collector. So I, whichever country I go to, I buy one of those fridge magnets or overall just going to a bar or maybe doing some sort of activity, right? For example, when we were in Venice, we went to this Indo-Pakistani restaurant and the waiter ended up telling us some hidden spots within Venice where we could just walk and, you know, explore some hidden churches or some of those restaurants where they give out free cookies and whatnot. So it's it's fun. Side note, Venice is sinking. It is. Maybe we should do an episode on that. We should do one on global warming and how it is affecting these very specific cities. There were pictures of that that uh, that very famous piazza in Venice, you know, the one where you get off the boat and there's that, that tower and things like that. That whole place had like knee-deep water and it's a, it's a sorry state in Venice. I would say get there before it's too late. You can take Kush's advice on travel and we'll, we'll leave his LinkedIn so you can go personally message him. You know, where should I stay? What do I do? Yeah, I think Kush, you should uh, start a website and you should make your blogs about things to do in different places so people can use your itineraries. People who are super active like you, but instead of taking a four-day itinerary and packing it into two, you can give them a two-day packed itinerary. Absolutely. That's something that I'm working on and hopefully I'll have it available by the end of uh, 2023. Lovely. Talking about people who do you travel with? Do you always travel solo? What do you, what's your preference on that front? So there is a movie called Zingi Namilegi Dubara. And literally in my life, I have exactly those two people. And both of those friends love traveling. We started with a trip to Colorado where we skied for the first time. And... We have been to Hawaii, Iceland, and so many different places, and we have just loved it. I, I think traveling with two more friends, or just three in total, makes travel budget-friendly, since all the prices get halved in three. And if you are in the same mindset, or if you were just all have like you know that same wavelength, or you're all goofy, you make so much, so many memories. Um, you dare each other to do things. I am very water friendly. I have bronze medal from the past in swimming. So if you tell me to jump from a cliff, I would if it's safe enough. But I would not be scared. You know, it would take me a second to just observe the surroundings. But I would jump, and I've jumped in Hawaii, Puerto Rico, in Iceland, and all these different places. But I have another like there's levels to it. I have uh, out of three of us, I would not be scared. I would motivate the Second one, he would jump, I'm for sure, but he would take some time. Like he would, like, you know, need to have some deep breathe in, deep breathe out, but he would jump. And the third one is scared. He would never. But we push him to, like, you know, you can do it, you can do it, and he's getting better. But, you know, it, it helps you push your limits when you travel. You, you, you think you cannot do something, but you end up doing things because you have these travel buddies that push you. 
फॉर द नॉन हिंदी स्पीकिंग कम्युनिटी जिंदगी ना मिलेगी दोबारा इज अ मस्ट वॉच वॉच इट विद सब टाइटल्स लाइक वी वॉच एनिमे एंड यू विल हैव अ बॉल फॉर थ्री आवर्स ऑफ योर लाइफ मे बी मोर ऑल्सो ट्राई क्लिफ जम्पिंग इट इज सो मच फन वेदर यू कैन स्विम और वेदर यू कांट मोस्ट ऑफ दिस प्लेसेज दे हैव द रिक्वायर्ड सेफ्टी पीपल अराउंड सो फाइंड दोज प्लेसेज एंड गो क्लिफ जम्पिंग Oh my god it is an experience and if you have friends like kushes and if you're scared take your friends along they will motivate you they will push you into doing this so definitely definitely try that they will push you into doing this and if you don't agree they'll just push you off a cliff so kush a little more serious topic how do you deal with visas because i have an indian passport and everywhere i want to go there is a visa how do you deal with this whole thing of visas I think I've been lucky with that. I was born in United States and naturally have a United States passport. Lucky you. <laughs> so we are allowed up to mostly like from 90 to 30 days up to a year sometimes in that country and it's on arrival visa for us. I have not looked a lot into how the Indian visas work. but i'm sure from the youtube videos that i've seen of indian bloggers it's not that difficult to get into these countries if you have your documentations lined up so it's not about difficult as much as it is about tedious because all these visas have this massive application form which requires everything from your you know passport details to where you were born to which countries you visited and yada 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 so it's just a you know it's like a day and a half or two days of just you know doing all this bureaucratic red tape stuff getting all your documentation in order you have to get your you know financial stuff your educational stuff they want to know if you speak english or not and then you have to go one day for a quote unquote visa interview as they call it and then scheduling these visa interviews around work and it's just a bit of a tedious process being an indian person i mean or being someone with an indian passport and it takes so goddamn long man sometimes it takes like huge amount of time if you look into the canadian visa at one point it was taking a year and a half for them to get you a visa post covid because they didn't have you know any government personnel sitting there us visa still getting a new us visa is a hassle if you want a new us visa in india i think the earliest appointment you can get is a year and a half from today no 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 and today there was a news uh on the tv that if you want the us visa us has made a new law where you can apply in other countries people are flying to thailand to get a us visa for the in the future like it is some crazy nonsense that is happening like the world being one you know we talk about how the flights are cheaper and it's easier this way this thing needs to transition you know visas need to transition maybe go digital passports need to go digital but that's a whole other bag of worms i was just you know doing my whole things for the canadian visitor visa and oh my god it is just such a long process and i don't even need to go to canada that soon but i was like you know might as it's better cuz i definitely want to do canada sometime soon so i'm like if i'm getting a visa now might as well take it because i think it's a 5 year or something visa and you can you know bank it and keep it for whenever you want to go next because otherwise as it turns out you have everything in place and the visa doesn't arrive on time that almost happened to me last summer 
So the visa exists till the end of your passport. And I literally just applied it for my sister and her family of four. And man, it took so long. We sat at 10 a.m. And then, you know, they kept popping into the office asking me, is it done? Is it done? And then we were sitting at like 8 p.m. trying to just file the paperwork. It is just plain stupid how much information they need while they already all have all of that information. So basically, what we're trying to say is check your visa requirements well in advance. Make sure you have the required visas because flights, hotels, all these things, you have to book in advance and a lot of countries require all these bookings before you apply for the visa. For example, France, you need a flight booking, you need a hotel booking and things like that before you can apply for a Schengen visa through France. So make sure you have all that in order, especially if you're traveling internationally and you have a passport like an Indian one, which requires a lot of visas. So that marks the end of part one of our super insightful conversation with Kush. Do tune in for part two, which will be out in a couple of days for more information and several personal experiences. Hope you enjoyed the conversation and see you in the next one.